You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Welcome to the show. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. You know what it takes for home to fit your budget and your family rocket can. Barrett Salee is one of the best college football reporters, writers, talkers, speakers, television personalities, podcasters in the country. And it turns out, I just found this out, sources tell me, he's a big Braves fan. Mr. Salee, what's up, buddy? Uh, man, that is quite the intro, Bill. I mean, do I need to, like, send you some money via Venmo or, or, or something like that? I'm more of a Zell guy, but yes. <laughs> no, it's all, <laughs> there you it's go. It's all true. It's all true, dude. Uh, all right, before we get into some college football, congrats on your Braves. What an incredible second half of the season. Uh, we just had this conversation. I'll ask you as a fan, how do you, and a sports expert, how do you feel about the new format and what's a pretty – long layoff for you guys as well as the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Astros? Well, for the Braves, I think it's great because Spencer Strider and, and Ozzie Albies might be back, although it sounds like Ozzie might be a um, little further behind than Strider. But, you know, I think the initial thought of it was that it was going to be a, a real big boom to, you know, uh, down the stretch play and, and some of the the battles for those wild card spots, and it didn't really materialize, you know, this year. I think really, you know, the, the Braves-Mets NL East race was really the only one of intrigue over the course of the weekend. So, uh, you know, it didn't work out this year, but I think uh, moving forward, you know, it, I, I like it. I like it. As, as long as the Braves stay out of that wild card round, I'm, I'm 100% on board. All right, Barrett, last baseball question for you, and I know you got to get there, but but if you were to look forward to a best-of-seven series would you fear more the Dodgers or the Mets? The Dodgers. I mean, and look, because we own the Mets. You know, like they, the Braves won the season series. They swept them over the weekend. They actually have the Grom and Scherzer's number pretty well. The majority of, of teams are, are worse off against those two. So I would much rather have the Mets. Uh, but it would be more fun, honestly, because we already took care of the Mets. To, to take the Dodgers down again. Because last, <laughs> last two years, we've seen them in the playoffs, obviously got the job done last year. They got uh, the job done in that Mickey Mouse year, which really doesn't count as a World Series title for them. Um, but, you know, it'd be nice to beat them again, too. Barrett Salee here on the show. I'm Bill Ryder on CBS Sports Radio. Barrett, uh, how, how, do we, how should we view Jimbo Fisher's how dare Nick Saban rant from earlier in the year now that we're at a point where they're going to play each other, and in A&M not exactly having the season I would imagine they anticipated. No, it's not. And I think really the, the, the rift between those two, I think it was more out of emotion than anything else. And I, when all is said and done, you know, they are relatively friendly with each other. So – I don't necessarily think it's going to play into some Saturday night's matchup really all that much because, you know, I think Alabama, you know, they're going to, they're going to run up the score no matter what. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's, it's going to play into it. You know, I think Nick, knowing that there's a bigger picture, is not going to go out there and leave his ones out for a couple extra drives just to, to make it hurt for Jimbo. You know, it's going to hurt for Jimbo regardless. So I don't necessarily think it's going to be a big storyline, um, you know, at least in terms of how, how Alabama approaches the game. Now, if A&M, for some unknown reason, uh, contends with Alabama again and is at least a threat, then, okay, maybe, 
maybe Jimbo does get creative. I just don't see that happening. Well, what is let's let's say that things go as they should. Alabama wins. Let's say that they win running away. Barrett Sully, what is Jimbo's standing with that program? Just fine because of the the years and the money. It's frustratingly fine, right? They they would much rather have him than pay whatever his buyout is, and he's owed the remainder of his contract whenever he's fired. Which I get. I don't. I went to Auburn, so I can't do math, but. Uh, 45 million ish right now. So, you know, they, they're stuck with them. They'd rather be stuck with them than pay that. But if this continues, which I think it will, because I don't think Jimbo's a very good coach, it, then a couple of years from now, it might be easier to swallow that money, especially considering the, the new TV deal would kick in and, and a lot of these teams are going to be making, you know, $90 million a year from television. So it'll be easier to pay you know, an exorbitant uh, paycheck like that or a buyout like that. So it's, it's frustration, um, you know, and I think it's disappointment because he has not brought the program to where it needs to be because his record is, is Kevin Sumlin. He is Kevin Sumlin, and they fired Kevin Sumlin. They, you know, depending on the week, it's either one game better or one game worse than where Kevin Sumlin was at that point in his A&M career. So there's a lot of frustration, disappointment, but – they know they can't do anything about it. Bear, there, there aren't a lot of sure things if, if you're a proud program or a once-proud program and you're trying to get back to the top of the mountain. And you can point to Nebraska, you can point to Colorado, you can point to schools in Florida and Texas like A&M. It's early, early days, as they say, but it, it sure looks like Lincoln Riley might be one of those, those sure things. Is USC a national title contender this season? National title? No, because... You know, the gap between USC and, and Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State is still pretty big. But I just named only three teams. So a college football playoff contender, yes. Because when you're talking about teams four through, I don't know, 16, all of them have flaws, right? You're looking at them and say, okay, well, we don't know, you know, what what Ole Miss's defense is going to look like. We don't know if Tennessee can play defense. We, You know, there, there's always something. So for USC, a dynamic offense and an opportunistic defense is a pretty strong resume. It's a pretty strong blueprint to at least get into the college football playoff. That's what Oklahoma did under Lincoln Riley. Great offense, adequate enough defense. And in certain years, outright horrible defense, but the offense is so good that it doesn't matter. Uh, USC is, I wouldn't say following the same game plan or or, or blueprint because their defense is actually pretty good, but they're definitely opportunistic. So, Winning a, a championship this year, no. But making the playoffs is an entirely different conversation. Look, I know, Barrett, I know that, that people, myself included, can overreact to short sample sizes, right? We are very reactionary just as a as a species. But I'm from the Midwest, and so I remember what Nebraska was, and I, I see what it is now. I remember what Texas was as a Missouri guy when Missouri was, was in the uh, Big 12. I see what it is now. What is your level of medium or long-term concern, or not, for Oklahoma in their current state or under their current leadership? I thought when Brent got that job that the defense would almost immediately play more consistent. And it's consistent, but it's consistently awful right now. <laughs> and I, so my, my long-term opinion before the season was that he's going to find a happy medium between 
good enough defense and dynamic offense. Because I love Jeff Levy. Their offensive coordinator, I absolutely love. Wasn't and still aren't, still not the biggest Bill and Gabriel guy, and now he's banged up. So this year might be a wash. I, I think that if they can get a more dynamic quarterback in, and I think just better players in the front seven, then they can be okay. But is it a sure thing? No. I thought it was a sure thing in August uh, because he did make the right hires. But I think he needs to hit the transfer portal as hard as he can and at the same time follow the Texas A&M blueprint and and recruit defensive linemen, just all of them. Recruit every single one of them. Um, Because if he does that, then we know he can produce results defensively with, you know, a, a two deep of defensive linemen, rolling eight, nine guys in there. We know he's been successful at, with that at Clemson. So um, long-term, still still pretty confident, but not nearly as confident as, as I was in August. All right, so we live in a world where, where Kansas is 5-0, and where Iowa, despite, and I'm from Iowa, so I'm going to use them as an example, losing every year a game they shouldn't. Kirk Ferentz is, is a reliable, right? That program is pretty good, and, and I'm from the state, but fine folks of Iowa, not easy to recruit to, to Iowa City necessarily. In that universe where there's some examples of success in the Midwest and programs that, that aren't world beaters, is there a way back for Nebraska, maybe not to what they were, but to some kind of consistent relevance and success? In the Big Ten West, yes. Nationally, no. Uh, because really there's no national relevancy in the Big Ten West other than up until this year, Wisconsin sort of on the periphery. So in the Big Ten West, yes. Uh, long-term national uh, relevancy, no. And I think that's the problem is because a lot of the power brokers and a lot of the decision makers and powerful people around that program think that it's still 1997, and it's not. And they expect double-digit win seasons all the time. That's not going to happen at Nebraska. They are in a massive, massive disadvantage when it comes to recruiting. There are no high schools that produce top-tier talent, especially along the line of scrimmage on either side of the ball within four or 500 miles of them. And so I think in this day and age, if they were to or are to going to be, uh, be successful in the Big Ten West, then they need to become transfer portal kings. They need to become what Lincoln Riley is and what, what Lane Kiffin did at Ole Miss. They need to find the guys that are good enough to play but maybe are just in a situation where it's not going to work uh, and, and give them opportunities. Because, you know, you look around, and I'm not comparing Marshall to Nebraska, but Kevron Laybourne, the running back for Marshall who went for a buck sixty or whatever against Notre Dame, he's a five-star player. He was buried on the depth chart in, at Florida State. He transfers to Marshall. He's a star, right? Those guys exist. And I think Nebraska can take advantage of the transfer portal that way because there are a lot of really good players that just aren't in good situations that still can, can perform at a relatively elite level. So, uh, if they can find a coach that are, that's willing to do that, then, then they can be relevant in the Big Ten West. But nationally, it's just not going to happen. Barrett, let me close with a question that I never thought I would ask you ever, and that is about Kansas football. They're 5-0. and College game day is actually in Lawrence this weekend for that game against TCU. And I'm a Missouri fan, so I, I ask this from a place that's not, that doesn't come from a kind place. But should, should we care? I, I mean, should I care? Should America care? Does this game matter? Yeah, it matters. Just, I mean, for Kansas to potentially be bowl eligible – six games into a season, that's 
that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think you should care for a couple reasons. One, they've got a dynamic offense, which is a lot of fun to watch. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's, it's, it's fun, uh, creative. And then, you know, Lance Leipold, their coach, is a star. You know, he's, he's a little older, but he's a really good coach. So, you know, and, and uh, you know, I think in the Big 12, I always thought that it was going to be, you know, the most interesting college uh, conference, whether it's Power 5 or Group of 5. And that was when I was considering seven teams possibly, you know, contending. And one of them was not Kansas. And now you add Kansas to the mix. So, yeah, I mean, pay attention for, for those reasons, you know. But I think more than anything else, just it's a good story. It's fun. You know, is Kansas going to win a national championship? Of course not. But, you know, this is kind of what we like about college football. We like some of those storylines that in the middle of the season matter and are fun to discuss and not the same old college football playoff contender story that we always seem to get bogged down in, especially in November. So yeah, pay attention. It's fun. You know, it's, it's last time I checked sports are supposed to be entertaining. Sports are supposed to be fun and Kansas being relevant on a national scale, even if it's fleeting is, is pretty cool. And, and I say that with, with, you know, in jest, cause I actually covered that orange bowl game. I don't even know how many, 15 years ago, 20. I don't know mm. when Mark Mangino, remember Mangino? I'm Mark Mangino. Mm. When he, when he got them to the orange bowl back in the day. And they, I, I liked, I don't even know. What is he doing? Is he just, is he just retired? I guess. I have no idea. I don't either. And he, uh, Barrett, I'll tell you this one story and I'll let you go. He once walked up to me at an event years later and goes, Bill, I got to tell you, I don't read a lot of columnists, but you're my favorite in America. I read you every day. I hadn't written in two years at that point. Didn't have the heart to tell. <laughs> didn't, didn't have. I was like, thanks, Mark. Oh, everything you write is so good. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Barrett Salee, great having you on the show. I appreciate you, man. Talk to you soon. See you, Bill. Bye, pal. Barrett, that is a true story. I like Mark. I kind of feel bad when I tell that story because, but it's, you know. Just me. Just check the persons. I gotta tell you, I don't read a lot of writers, but uh, the stuff you write week in week out is just really good, and it's just really, it really speaks to me. Oh, it does. Yeah, I'm really, you know, I'm a fan, is what I am. Thanks, Mark. That's awesome. I've written two years, bro. Yeah. Anyway, go Kansas. There we go. I said it. I said it. Go Jayhawks. Eight five five two one two four CBS is the phone number. Uh, do you want me to? Do you want me to do a Mark Mangino voice again, or just my own voice as I go to the next thing? Oh no, uh, do a Mark Mangino voice. Well, I gotta tell you, Tom. I, you know, I don't like a lot of radio producers, but buy or sell is the best segment I've ever heard in my entire life. And when it comes up next on CBS Sports Radio, it's gonna change the lives of everybody listening. You're listening to Writer Than You. I don't like peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly is disgusting. Toasted peanut butter. I toast some bread. Straight peanut butter. Peanut butter and bananas. Peanut butter, honey, and bacon. Peanut butter and jelly is gross. Look, I understand most people like peanut butter and jelly. I just think it's disgusting. On CBS Sports Radio. Do you play that every week? Uh, If not every week, every other week for sure. You know what else I don't like? That rejoin. (laughs) Actually, it's fine. (laughs) Did you ever ever interview Bogish for any of your work, Mark Mangino? Unfortunately, no. Then I'll stop doing an imitation of him. But it's it's a very it's a very very good one. I mean, I that's promise. a big dude with a high pitch voice. It's amazing. I gotta tell you, Andrew Bogish's updates are the one thing that keep me going on rainy days. It's life changing. Bill, those columns are so good. I haven't read in two years, Mark. That's the only ones I read. He's just on. He's delayed. 
He's now caught Poor up. Guy. That's right. He was reading the old archive. To be fair, every few years I just stop writing and then pick it up again. Um, Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Diesel gave us a critique. We're going to buy or sell. What What was the uh, What was the verdict? How did we do yesterday? Yes, she listened to the entire first hour of yesterday's program. Uh, gave me feedback on everything. Not a big fan of your Aaron Judge take. Got it. Okay. Doesn't like to recognize steroid users. Mm-hmm. Thinks it's fair game, absolutely fair game, to talk Tom Brady's personal life off of the field. Okay. And thinks LeBron sounded like a big jerk yesterday when he said he had no relationship with Kareem. How did you how did how did you talk to her about our desire on the show for you to do to get a weekend of sleep in like she gets? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I completely ignored that one hundred percent. But we have this right. She Sometimes sleeps in on the weekend. Saturdays. Within... Saturdays. Only, Sat- always Saturdays. Saturdays her sleeping day. I, when we say sleep in, we mean like my little guy is still getting up between like 6 and 6.30 a.m. But oh. you grab him and you go to a different part of the house so she can keep sleeping. Yes, because Monday through Friday she gets right. up with my son. It's not like she's sleeping till noon. I mean, she's, you know, right. you get 7.30, up before 8 o'clock. You get up before her on the weekdays. I do, yes. My little guy is still sleeping, yes. Okay, so she she getting up with the little guy is not really... Right, I got it. So Sunday's your day for her to grab the little guy and for you to sleep a couple extra hours. Uh, We kind of do it in tandem, maybe, on Sundays, I would say. Mrs. Diesel, if you're listening, and and Andrew, I, I think I speak for both of us, we think Tom deserves to sleep in a little bit on Sundays. At least every other Sunday. Kind of like the rejoin I hate. Just, you don't like it. But every other week, it's got to be there. Will you clip this and send it to her? Uh, I'm probably going to be very delayed in doing that. Okay. Like Mark Mangino. i got to tell you, that, that take on Tom from 10 years ago was great. Let's you know what? Buyer. Yeah? I can clip it. I know how to edit things. <gasps> I can yeah, save it. I can make it an MP3. I just need to know how to get it to her. Ooh, okay. look at you, fancy pants. I know how to do things. I mean, don't you think HR has her contact info for an emergency? This is an emergency. It's a it's a, it's a Tommy emergency. Agreed. Tommy or emergency. we'll just lie and say it's in a real emergency. Please, con- please patch us through to Mrs. D Cell. When D Cell went to the hospital, literally, remember this? You went to the hospital three two months ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it was all. It was like seven eight months ago. Yeah. She <laughs> texted me from his phone, oh, and I yeah. think I, I think I asked her for her phone number, like, like, hey, if everything's okay. And even in like his his stupor of the emergency room, I was barking he, out instructions to her: tell Bill this, call Bill now. But not from her phone. I would have had the number. Yeah, I gave her my phone. And then you came to work the next day. No sleeping in. You deserve some rest. Let's do by herself. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. All right, Bill, we know the Eagles are the last remaining unbeaten team in the NFL, but at his press conference yesterday, Philly quarterback Jalen Hurts was stunned. He didn't get any questions about Philly's opponent this week, the Arizona Cardinals. I will say this too. Um, I didn't get any questions about the Cardinals for real this, this game, so I don't want y'all thinking this is... It's a really good team we're about to play. They 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 have a really good defense. 
disruptive up front. Um, they have speed on on the back end, so um, let's let's not set the precedent for that. This is a good football team. Buy or sell Jalen Hurts giving the Cardinals credit before he ended his media availability yesterday. Buy. Buy. I'd love to know what they asked him about. That's kind of a lot, a a lot about his Manning cast appearance, which I know you watched this past week. A lot of questions on that. I thought he and John Hamm and even Steph were all kind of awkward. It's you know when like you go to a bar, you go to hang out at somebody's house, and and only two people showed up, and they're best friends or they're brothers. And they have this rhythm, and you're trying to be part of the conversation, but you obviously don't fit into whatever the sort of side jokes are and the inside jokes. That's what watching the Manning cast was like. I liked it. I thought it was interesting, but the guests I thought were crazy awkward. I think they usually are. Like, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird environment to put a big-time celebrity or athlete in. It's the first one I've watched all the way through. Bogus, when you stay up that late, do you watch? Do you do you put it on? Like, are you have you consumed it? Nope. Not even. I think maybe a little bit for the first one. I don't like any of these things that you know. They're on the national title game. They do alternate broadcast. I just want to watch the game. I just want to have play by play. The analyst it. and they, be done. They don't do conventional play by play. Peyton has excellent insight though. Excellent that, that's insight. What it, that, that's the reason I actually like it. Like, he doesn't let Eli talk when it matters, which is super awkward and gives a lot of insight into the dynamic. It's the man, it's the it's the Peyton Manning cast, and Eli just sits there. But I do, it, it, it's actually too bad. Like, I know this would be hard to do from a production perspective, but I would love it if I could watch the main, the main broadcast, and then when Peyton gives actual X's and O's insight on his big screen, if they would just... Th- 30 seconds later, just like be like, oh, hey, here's Peyton explaining that play. Because the inside is really cool. It's four times a game or eight times a game, but in the one I watched, but it was really good. All right. Tom Brady was at Tampa Bay Bucks practice yesterday, but he was limited to just throwing on the sidelines due to a shoulder and finger injuries. Now, the 45-year-old Brady said, though, he does expect to play on Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. By yourself, the Bucks should consider sitting Tom Brady this week even if he's medically cleared to play. It's the Falcons. They should win. They're a better team. Do you need 45-year-old Tom Brady? Man, you just want any chance to get this guy off the field, huh? He needs to rest. He has a lot going on. They're 2-2, right? Yes, but they are coming off their best offensive performance. Right. When he already had a sore shoulder and a finger, he's fine. What's, how did you phrase the question? Buy or sell, he should sit? Buy or sell, the Bucks should consider sitting Tom Brady. Sell. If he's medically cleared, sell. Sell. I mean, the guy's, I, you know, I'm not going to say it. I almost made him, uh, giving him his marriage joke. and I, no, I, You know, just sell the. Sell. The, 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 yeah. All right, ahead of the Packers game against the Giants in London on Sunday, Aaron Rodgers was asked if the growth of Green Bay's young wide receiving core will play a role in determining how long he wants to stay in the NFL. Look, my decision when it comes down to it will be uh, obviously the physical part, the mental part, seeing where the team is at. You look at the defense, a lot of guys are signed for multiple years now. That seems to be intact for a while. They've got a good core in the offensive line, some young guys, uh, obviously two great backs who are still under contract. There's some moving pieces, but you know that'll factor in for sure. But seeing the development of those guys uh, you know, can't help but be a part of the decision. 
Buy or sell that Aaron Rodgers is putting too much pressure on his young wide receivers. I mean, as is the really ingenious reporter who asked the question, but buy. Buy. This is what he does, right? He blames everybody else. The GMs, the coach, the everybody. He had a smirk on his face the entire time, too. Like, like he knew this question was coming. It's funny you say that because I don't know anything about who asked it. But I, and I don't know anything about Aaron Rodgers' approach, but I can tell you that there are definitely times when reporters ask questions that they're t- that it's, it's a setup. Ooh, interesting. It's a setup. Yeah. Hey, you should ask this of, of this guy, and you'll get a good answer. The guy knows it's coming. Or you should ask, or the really, like, really guys who are really on it, you should ask me this. And just, you know, all the record, I can give this to you, but you should ask me this. All right, let's stay in the NFL here. Patrick Mahomes is playing in just his fifth season as a starter, and yet on Monday night when the Chiefs host the Raiders, Mahomes has a chance to get this tie Troy Aikman in career touchdown passes. Aikman finished with 165. Mahomes currently has 162. Troy Aikman, by the way, played in 12 seasons. And remember, it's Monday night football, so Aikman will be on the broadcast calling the game on ESPN alongside Joe Buck. Buy or sell Mahomes potentially tying Troy Aikman in career touchdown passes says more about Mahomes than it does how the NFL is played in 2022. I mean, you're also avoiding leaning into the the Aikman slander that people Mm. like to put out there. I was trying to prop up Mahomes more so than slander Aikman. It is pretty amazing when you look at Aikman's stats. 12 years versus 4 plus. Like, it's wild. I will buy it's more about Mahomes, even though it's obviously about both. Buy. Bogus, buy or sell, Troy Aikman is a top 20 quarterback in the history of the sport. Uh, I mean, I don't have a top tw- a working list to answer that question, but I don't Pure think. Th- but I don't think this has to do with any. There's no. There's no way to hold this against Troy Aikman. This is not the kind of quarterback he was. It's not the way the game was played back then. This is about Mahomes' skill set and the way NFL offenses work now. Now, all that being said, if Aikman played now, I don't know that he'd have the same numbers as Mahomes. But there's almost nothing to say negative about the career he had with the Cowboys. Agreed. He is, though, statistically speaking, just in terms of his output as a quarterback, a very, on paper, which is not where the game is played, a very basic quarterback. I remember looking at this this morning, too. I believe only 24 more touchdowns and interceptions, if I have that right. 141 yeah, career. Yeah. Yeah. How many Super Bowls? Exactly. That, well, I mean, that, that's the difference. The stats aren't there, but the Super Bowl rings are. I mean, I would take Troy Aikman over Kirk Cousins. Any moment on the face of the earth at any era. And Cousins has amazing numbers. I'd probably take Aikman for non-football things before I would take Kirk Cousins. I mean, he has Kirk kissing Cousins. It's you know, it's, it's... Fix a flat tire, cook mm. a steak correctly, pick the right Philly cheesesteak location. Uh, Philly cheesesteak. Aikman over Cousins, always. Right. Always. Always. I mean, I can tell you this. I haven't seen Aikman dance, but I've seen Cousins dance in Imagine Dragons. Watch dance randomly. <laughs> not what, and look, I understand I'm not much of a dancer either, but whew, Kirk, you don't need to move, bro. Just stand there. <laughs> One of my favorite memories is being at this Imagine Dragons concert at the Super Bowl. And and it was cool. And looking to my right and seeing Kirk Cousins and thinking, I don't think I've ever seen anyone dance that badly. And turning to Adam Klug to tell him that and being corrected immediately in my assumption. <laughs> 
Adam was so drunk, too. He was so drunk. And he was letting it go. All right, let's get to some college football here. Texas A&M and Alabama isn't the only rivalry game this weekend. The Red River rivalry. Say that five times fast. <laughs> you can't. Red <laughs> River rivalry. Kicks off oh, at, Red River. <laughs> kicks off at noon Eastern on Saturday. But there seems to be less hype around the game because both teams are outside of the top 25. In fact, Bill, it's the first time since 1998, 24 years, that both teams are unranked for this game. Oklahoma, of course, is coming off their blowout loss to TCU, while the Longhorns have already lost twice this season. Buy or sell the significance of the Red River rivalry. See, I can do it. With both teams being unranked. I like the Ribbles, River rivalry. River um, rivalry. River rivalry. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'll buy. I, buy. I like... I, I love rivalry games, and... They don't have to be particularly important nationally for, for them to, I think, have a certain energy. Iowa, Iowa State is an example. Missouri, Kansas, when they used to play each other, is an, I mean, there's, they're all over the country, right? I mean, they just Duke, North Carolina could play basketball and, and and have a similar situation. I'd still watch it or be interested in it. Yeah, these, these teams don't like each other. They compete in the same region for recruiting. I I love these kind of games because maybe not more, but. The game still matters, even though the game doesn't matter, which is just a testament to the rivalry. All right, let's get to some hoops here. After the Lakers' preseason game last night in Vegas against the Suns, LeBron James was adamant that there should be an NBA franchise in Las Vegas. It's wonderful. It's the best uh, fan base in the world, and uh, I would love to uh, bring a team here at some point. That would be amazing. Um, I know Adam is uh, in Abu Dhabi right now, I believe. That's where they're at right now. Yeah, with the Bucks in, in, in uh, Atlanta. So, but he probably sees every single interview and transcript that comes through from NBA players. So, I want the team here, Adam. Thank you. Buy or sell LeBron James will one day own an NBA franchise in Las Vegas. Um, mm. I mean, I'll, I'll buy that it's a reasonable outcome. I mean, buy. you have to have a team and the timing has to work out. One of the um, one of the narratives gaining steam in LA right now, though, on Twitter and elsewhere, and I'm sh- I'm, I'm sure Sports Talk Radio today locally, is whether LeBron should be talking about this when he's under contract with the Lakers. Because one of the storylines yesterday, and Jeannie Buss talked about this exact thing, is the Lakers understand there's going to be a team there, but they sort of consider their their territory a little bit. So people people are always put out LeBron, but people are put out LeBron today for basically wanting to own a team that'll compete against the Lakers in a city that they sort of claim. No matter what he says they're put out. I mean, it, how, how put out are we going to be that he said he wants to play in the NBA with his son? Like, isn't that the ultimate dream? And people were bothered by that. I don't know. I mean, I'm not bothered by it, but I do th- and I love his love for his son, but I do think that his love for his son is going to set his son up to fail in the NBA. And I think mm-hmm. that's a reasonable I think that's, a, yes, I I. There's something to that, but saying you want to play with your son when you're under contract with the Lakers, like that doesn't I don't mind that, that. Yeah, that doesn't bother me. Saying he wants to own a team one day in Las Vegas, like, come on, like, why wouldn't he? What's he talking about with the best fan base in the league? There isn't a fan base in the league. Because but he's saying no that they there. love the NBA. Well, sure, but they. How about the Laker fans that love the Lakers and LeBron right now? That it's would fair. bother me. Well, how about this? Do the Lakers fans love LeBron right now? 
I mean, they I should. Mean, I'm there. They like LeBron. <laughs> Maybe they that's like the him difference. more than they like Kareem. Ooh, I see what you did there. All right, let's finish up with some baseball here. Just a few weeks back, the Royals fired their former general manager and president of baseball operations, Dayton Moore, which you mentioned earlier in the show. And yesterday, they did to—they did the same thing with manager Mike Matheny. Rival! Matheny spent three seasons as skipper, winning 43% of his games, which was much higher than I would have thought. Buy or sell Kansas City's wholesale changes this season. <laughs> you should add them more. Um, I mean, 43% is not that bad. So it's I had bad. heard from I had heard from some people who are friends with players in that in that clubhouse that Matheny was not well liked by a lot of those young players. Like there just wasn't a connection, and he couldn't manage young guys. And what was the what was how did you ask the question? I was laughing at forty three percent. Buy or sell Kansas City's wholesale changes this year? Forty three percent. When you think of how bad the Royals have been, forty three percent. I was expecting much lower. I was expecting mid thirties. I mean, 162 times 0.43. Now, he did get the benefit of only playing a limited season in 2020. Wins. Um, I will buy the wholesale changes, and I, as I mentioned, I like Dayton more. Buy. I, know, I, knew, I knew Dayton back in my Kansas City days. I haven't talked to him in years, but really good guy. They won a World Series in Kansas City. I think that is a grossly underrated accomplishment. But they are they're unwatchable. They're an, they're an unwatchable baseball team. And it worked. It worked. It worked. And I know a lot of you don't like analytics. I mean, Dayton, that was like the last, that organization was the last holdout of being completely opposed to sabermetrics. And it feels to me like you need both. Like, I do think scouting is, is important. But you also have to look at the math now. You, you just you just do. A change probably is necessary. You also need to be right about people. I mean, they were right about all of those guys that they drafted or signed when they were, yeah. you know, unknown or unwanted, underappreciated, and they haven't been anywhere close to right anymore. And then the guys that even got there didn't like Matheny. He didn't make them better. People were confused why he got that job to begin with because it didn't end well with the Cardinals. So um, you have to buy it just for the fact that they're bringing in new people, but now you got to see who the new people are. I mean, Bobby Witt Jr. is a star. I mean, that right. kid is a, a stud. But he's the exception, if he, he is. is like, to the guys that they've picked as well recently. And, and, and one of Dayton's huge Achilles heels was his decision-making on managers. I mean, what was the guy's name whose house I went to in Austin first? Trey, Trey Hillman? Am I doing that right? That's a name, yeah. Trey Hillman, who became a bench coach somewhere. Pre- whatever. He came out of Japan and was just a disaster. I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, Matheny was a, was a really, really poor hire. Um, that was a fun show. It's not Friday, Bogish, by the way. I don't know if you know this, but I, I sent I sent D-Cell a happy Friday note this morning. Oh. And, but okay. it's not Friday. It's my Friday, so, so I'll take it. Happy Friday oh, to you, too. Oh, yeah. So what are you doing? You're doing uh, – tell the people so they can listen. Yeah, I don't know if you're allowed to outside of New York. I don't know how that works through the Odyssey app, but if you can get it, uh, 6 p.m. tomorrow, probably the same time on Saturday – a little pre-pregame coverage on the Mets radio network ahead of their postseason games with the Padres. So you're doing a pre-pregame show for the Mets opener and the second game of their playoff series. And if there's a third game as well, it feels like any home game they have here in this month, me and the esteemed Rich Ackerman are going to be outside City Field getting you set for Brad Heller to get you set for Mets Padres. It's an act attack with oh. bogey. That's what we're calling it, the act attack with some bogish. 
Dude, that's really exciting. That is and, and one of those things. That is extremely cool. Congratulations. We will miss you on the show. Um, have a great time. And you can give us like a live report if you're are you back on Monday? I am no. not back on you're Monday. I'll be back on I'll be here Tuesday. In November when you return, we'll get a live report. Tuesday, Tuesday. is not November. I will give you I'm a excited. live report on Tuesday. Bogey and the Ack Attack coming up starting Act tomorrow. First. Let's uh, let's do a 30-second segment about the 76ers after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Akatak's partner, Andrew Bogus. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. <laughs> Bill Ryder with you, CBS Sports Radio. This season, for the first time, Disa, you and everyone else can hear every Westwood NFL broadcast stream live for free Mondays, Thursdays, Sunday nights, the International Series, holiday triple headers, and every postseason game call. Catch all the action. Don't call it. Catch it on the Odyssey app on westwoodonesports.com, by Westwood One Station Streams, or by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports, all sponsored by AutoZone. It's time to say goodnight to that check engine light with the free AutoZone Fix Finder service. It'll help troubleshoot the likely cause of your engine, your light for free. Restrictions apply. Get on the zone. AutoZone. Hi, Tom. Hey, Bill. A uh, little serious topic here, not to... Not to Close with with, with 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 ugliness, but there's a there's a divide in the country. There's there's a there's a war brewing. There, there's a there's a there's a two sided reality apparently between pickleball players and tennis players. Is a story that just came out in the Guardian. <laughs> apparently, there's like pickleball on tennis player violence or vice versa and vandalism and. You're an avid tennis player. I know which way you side on this. I do get annoyed by the pickleball players, but it is a great game. It's just the, the it's loud. I just can they move the courts a little further away? Now, do tennis players look at pickleball players and say those those are not athletes? Yes, I mean I, I played some pickle. The other thing is I went and played in a pickleball tournament with a buddy with all these serious pickleballers, and we almost won it. And they're like, "Oh, you must play a lot of pickleball." Like, no, man, it's like ping- <laughs> so. A pickleball is really fun. It's it's actually a great game, but it's a game. Tennis is a sport. I also like poker and chess, but they're not sports. They're games Ooh, like pickleball. Some serious trash talk right now. Table tennis is an interesting one. Where does is table tennis a game or a sport? Because I sweat when I play. I mean, when I play table tennis, I am <laughs> I have to wear athletic clothes. Uh, I would lean towards that is a game. A game. Yeah. So on the very end, uh, right up on the spectrum between. So what's on the other side? Bowl is bowl, bowling's a sport. I've really struggled with this one. This is not the first time I've had to answer this question. I go sport, but I see both sides. It's really, really close. So it's like right if you made a line of it, right? If you made a spectrum, right in the middle is table tennis almost a sport and bowling almost a game. Yes. They're up against each other. Yes, absolutely. You look like, and I know looks can be deceiving, but you have the appearance of one who would be a great bowler. I think we've had this conversation. Ooh, you got deceived. I stink. I am awful. I've done bowling leagues. They were super fun. And I once rolled a 200, but I've also, in competitive bowling leagues, rolled a 79. (laughs) Very humiliating. Yes, that's much more where I am. That's 79 range. (laughs) It's very... I can't spin the ball, right? So I, I just... I yeah. <laughs> I I can't do anything that I wanted to do. Bowling's fun though, man. If I didn't travel and play as much tennis as I do, I would join a bowling. I I did a bowling. I did a bowling league with a guy that I hated. And I had a great time. I hated that dude. Hated. <laughs> no, I hated him. I'm why? Why did you do a bowling league with somebody you hated? I think there was the bowling league where I realized I hated him, but then we just kept ah, doing it. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Philadelphia 76ers are going to be good. That's my take. 
I actually think they might be, man. Do you like that? You like that brief? <laughs> yeah. The and you told us the other day you have MB, uh, Embiid down as your MVP. <laughs> Rivlet. I'm, I'm, combining, I'm combining everything today. <laughs> uh, I think Embiid's going to – can win the MVP. I think – I, I think that there's a lot of reasons for it. Maybe we'll get into it when I have a little more time. But here's the short version. I think he's going to win the MVP for a bunch of reasons. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? I, Maxi, it's preseason. Who, who knows? But he looked really good yesterday against Cleveland. And Harden claims he lost 100 pounds. I, I, watched, I looked at him. I watched him play. I stood next to him. I don't think he lost 100 pounds. But he looks in really, really uh, – he looks in good shape for James Harden. I mean, he, I, he doesn't look like LeBron James's training regimen is what was applied to him. But, I, yeah, I think, I think the Sixers can be really, really good this year. Um, I haven't put money down yet on Thursday Night Football. I'm thinking about betting on the Colts. Here's my concern. And the Colts are three, three-and-a-half-point dogs on the road at, at Denver. My concern is twofold. One, they're the Colts, and they, just, they seem to find ways to lose, especially early in Frank Reich tenures, early in seasons. And, and two is – I don't want to give Nathaniel Hackett the overwhelm so far head coach of the Broncos credit, but I think there's something to the fact that he's right. They haven't played well in any facet of their, of their game. I worry that they're going to break out the moment I bet against them. Go with your gut on this one. I'm with the Colts. This is the week they snap out of it. All right. I'm a little money on, on Indy, and I'm going to spend it on a, a private investigator to find your wife's phone number so we can send Mrs. D-Cell a note pleading to let you sleep in on Sunday. Wouldn't you like a little couple extra hours of sleep on a Sunday? Yeah, but not at the risk of my wife being upset with me. Might make you more pleasant here, and you're already pleasant, but it might take the pleasantness to a whole other level. Thanks to D-Cell, who's pleasant and we love. Thank you to um, our guy Barrett Salee. Thank you to Andrew Bogish, and thank you for listening. I'm Bill Ryder. We appreciate you. We'll see you here tomorrow on CBS Sports Radio.